0: you're listening to ICCYG youth group messages with me Matt Jones okay so I want to preface this message with uh, with something and it's the fact that what I'm trying to say here is at the very beginning anyway what I'm trying to say is that instead of preaching from one passage in this part of the Bible, and then I jump next week to a different passage in another part of the Bible, and I keep doing that, just kind of jumping around. Uh, what I'm doing in this message, is, or in this uh, message, is it's an introduction to a series through the book of First Thessalonians. Uh, for some reason, it was stuck on the tip of my tongue, and I couldn't get it out. And listening to it is highly frustrating, so I apologize, but that's what I'm trying to say. Instead of jumping around, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in First Thessalonians for a while. <laughs> Alright, I hope you enjoy.
1: Okay, so tonight we're gonna be in uh in First Thessalonians. So go turn with me in your Bibles to, to First Thessalonians. So the entire time we've been here, we've been going through Bible lessons and, and everything, we've been doing more of a topical kind of a preaching style, right? Yes. Um, I'm going to kind of transition a little bit though from a topical kind of jumping around the Bible to wherever we're going to be. Um, which is which is fine, I think is great. But what we're gonna do now is we're gonna start talking uh, and going through one specific book. And so we're gonna be in First Thessalonians uh, for a long time. Now I, I chose First Thessalonians for a few different w- reasons. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but the the uh, the theme of First Thessalonians is salvation, sanctification, and the return of Christ. Um, that, that's been uh, said, the theme of uh, First Thessalonians before. So, um, salvation we, we talk about every week, right? Sanctification we talk about every week. Those are very important topics, but the return of Christ... Uh, It's also known as eschatology. That's, uh, you know, the study of the last times. Now, I know a lot of you guys, and I wish Ethan was here because he's always got most of them, have a lot of questions regarding uh, eschatology. And they're great. uh, Last times, like when Jesus comes back and everything, all that stuff. Um... So, and they're great questions, and I love I love questions, but I don't always have a lot of time to answer them all. So, going through First Thessalonians, we're going to be learning a whole lot about the end times and about Jesus's return. Um, so let me let me go let me go through this. Tonight is going to be a whole lot of introduction, and we're only going to go through the first verse. Of First Thessalonians, so uh, it might be a little short, it might be a little long. I'm not really sure what's going to happen tonight, but we're just going to introduce everything, get the context down. Uh, while we're, uh, I go to this Bible study in El Centro, a bunch of college students, and uh, Brett Bird, who played violin for us that one time, he, uh, he he taught a lesson, and he said, you know, what are the three? Most important words in the Bible, or when you study the Bible, and I was like, hmm, I could think of a bunch of really important ones, but then everybody, everybody around me knew what he was talking about, and they said, context, context, context. Three most important words in studying the Bible. So, anyway, so it's good to know the context of any book that you you study uh, in order to understand what's actually being said in the book. So, 1 Thessalonians was written by, who knows? Paul, Paul right. Uh, he wrote it about A.D. 50. So about 50, um, sorry, 20 years uh, after Jesus was uh, crucified, around there. Um, and he, he mentions his traveling companions. If you look in uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, verse 1, Chapter 1 verse one. and you see Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy. So Sylvanus or Silas, uh, and Timothy did not write this epistle, but they were with Paul a lot. And they were in full support of what Paul was saying through this epistle. So whenever we're reading uh, 1 Thessalonians, you're going to see a whole lot of we and us and all this different stuff. And that's Paul talking about him, but also Sylvanus and Timothy. Um, so, that's the author of First Thessalonians. He wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So, the background of First Thessalonians, Thessalonica is in modern-day Thessalonica in the northern regions of the Aegean Sea. Big whoop, right? You guys are like, I don't really care about that stuff. So, uh, this city has enjoyed freedom. Uh, back in this time, this enjoy, city has enjoyed freedom as a free city in the Roman Empire. Uh, it was a very, in a very strategic location for political and commercial activity. It was known as the mother of all Macedonia. Um, basically, this place was a huge city, right? And it was in a very strategic location on this, uh, um, this highway. And it grew in size, and it was very, very... It, um, uh, well known. The population reached about 200,000 people in Paul's day, which is a lot. Um, Paul wrote this during his second missionary journey. So, everybody, turn with me to Acts 17. And we can talk about uh, the start. In Acts 17, starting in verse one, we see uh, it says. Actually, let's let's do how we usually we usually do. So we'll start with John and we'll read one verse, and we'll just go this way. How's that sound? And then we'll, as soon as we finish this line, we'll go like that. We'll go back and uh, Jesse. So now we have traveled through and M- Amphipolis, M- Amphipolis and Polonia. They came to. The- this one, I go. Where there was a site of the Jews. Sorry. And according to Paul's custom, you went to the For D7's reason we have done the scriptures. Explaining in the Americans that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying this is Jesus proclaiming to you as a priest. Okay, stop real quick. Um... This is kind of a side note, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but there's a few different lines of thought in apologetics, which is defending the faith of Christianity. A lot of people over here in apologetics say that we, in order to defend the faith and defend Christianity properly, we can't be using any reasons. Like, we can't answer people's questions, we can't be doing any of that because uh, people just have to accept it by faith. If they don't accept it by faith, then they're not they're not really accepting Christianity properly. You I know, mean, we can't we we have no place to be answering questions or anything like that. Then there's a a line of thought over here that says, yeah, answer answer the questions. Like if people are are um, having opposition to the faith, it's by all means we need to be answering those oppositions and answering those questions that people have. Um, and there's a lot of debate there's good bible verses that you know, both people use now to me though it seems like Paul is uh, explaining and giving evidence that Christ is the sufferer uh, and rise again from the dead it seems like he's uh, and then in the next verse you, we see that you know, he's persuading a large number of people anyway side, that was a side uh, side trail, rabbit trail Go ahead, Matt. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and so, Silas? Yeah. Paul and Silas. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto so them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. And gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. Oh. <clears throat> but when they did not find them, this guy, Jason and his own brethren to the ruins of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have going through too. Jason has harbored them and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar. Caesar saying there is uh, an of Jesus. The people of the city, as well as the city's council, were prone to turmoil by these reports. Okay, so what happened? This is uh, how Paul originally brought Christianity to Thessalonica. Um, he went to the synagogue with, uh, of the Jews and he was preaching Christ, right? And he was reasoning, reasoning with them through the Scriptures, giving evidence, uh, persuading people. A lot of people uh, accepted the truth and became Christians. But there were other Jews that became jealous and they were taking along with them wicked men from the marketplace and they formed a big old mob, uproars, and everything they kicked Paul out. That's a long story made short. So Jesus, I mean, Paul fled Macedonia and went to Athens. And uh, they were separated, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Um, in Athens, Tim- Timothy and Sil- Silas finally caught up with him. So Paul had a love and concern for the church in Thessalonica, though. Um, and he, so he sent Timothy, and we can read all this stuff in Acts. Um, he sent Timothy to see how they were doing and to encourage and strengthen them. Uh, in First Thessalonians three, so um, hold on. Okay, yeah, go back to First Thessalonians. In First Thessalonians chapter three, we can see uh, we can see this. See, it says uh, in verse uh, chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left at Athens alone. That's Paul. You know, he, he, he stayed at Athens alone. He sent Timothy, a brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. He's talking to the Thessalonians. So that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith. For fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor might be in vain. So... Timothy he said, while he was in uh, Athens, he sent Timothy over to Thessalonica so he could find out uh, what's going on with the Thessalonians. He, see, he, he started a church in Thessalonica, but then he was kicked out like right away. He didn't really have a time, uh, opportunity to really like, stay with them and teach them and strengthen them like he wanted to because all the Jews got mad and kicked him out right away um, Timothy stayed there for a long time, and he was strengthening them and encouraging them. Uh, Eventually, after a while, he left to return to Paul and to report to him what was going on. Finally, Timothy caught up with Paul in Corinth. So it's kind of a complicated, you know, everybody's going everywhere kind of thing. But Timothy finally caught up with Paul in Corinth, and we can see this in Acts 18-18. 1, and in verse 5. So listen, uh, after these things, he left Athens and went to Corinth, and then verse 5, but when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the Word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. So that's uh, um, Silas and Timothy and, and uh, all, uh, Paul together again, Right? Um, Timothy gave Paul a great report that the church was growing and thriving, which is great news, and we'll see that. We'll actually talk about that a whole lot more next week as we go through the whole first chapter of First Thessalonians. Um, but Paul uh, Timothy gave Paul an awesome report. Um, they were growing, they were thriving. It was, it was encouraging for Paul to hear. although they were going through some persecution, um, also, there was apparently some confusion in the church concerning end times stuff. It, concerning end times stuff. Um, they were scared for those who had already died uh, because they thought that they had missed something, they had missed God's kingdom. Um, So part of the reason Paul wrote this epistle is to calm those fears and to answer some questions they had regarding eschatology. Uh, So this letter was probably written only months after he first preached in Thessalonica. So the purpose of this letter, we already kind of talked about it, but Paul had many things that he still wanted to say to these, these brand new Christians. Um, he couldn't, though, because uh, he had to leave so early. So, in this epistle, Paul talks a lot about the gospel and its implications and how, how we're supposed to live. So, I think that's pretty cool. Because, don't you guys want to know about the gospel and its implications as to how we're supposed to live? So, that's, that's the salvation and that's the sanctification. Do you guys remember what sanctification is? We could we could give me an exa- uh, a definition of sanctification. You can use your own words. Yeah, so we we went through some words last week. Purify is a good one, right? Sanctification is uh, in your Christian walk, uh, being more like Christ. That's a good simple definition, right? Um, salvation happens at a point in time, right? You are saved in a point in time, but sanctification is ongoing in your, the rest of your Christian life. Uh, and it's the process by which we become more like Christ. I know the, the definition I kept giving before was uh, um, who we are practically matches who we are positionally. So what we do, what we say, what we think matches uh, how God already sees us because of the righteousness of His Son applied to us as salvation. Um, So that's salvation, sanctification, and uh, Paul also goes into a lot of eschatology. So, um, my question for you guys, I think it's awesome that we can learn so much from the Bible, even from background and from the setting and the purpose, all this contextual stuff. Do we have this kind of love and concern for those who are in the faith, who are new to the faith? When we share the gospel with somebody, do we, do we really take the time to make sure they really understand doctrinal stuff? Or do we just kind of like give them the gospel and if they accept it, great, just leave them alone? You know, go over here and live out your Christian life, grow. Um, or do we really take the time to pour into brand new Christians Um, So that when they hear the gospel and accept it, bear fruit, do we kind of stay with them and coach them along, um, teach them the foundations of the faith? See, Paul couldn't do that right away, but he sent Timothy to find out how they were doing, and Timothy did that, right? That is what real love is. That is a demonstration of real love, genuine love. And it's this type of love that we need to show to one another. Find out how each other are doing. And it doesn't even have to be with a brand new Christian. It could be with one who just doesn't know a whole lot. Each one of you could teach somebody else something. Even if you say to yourself, like, I'm not a very strong Christian. I don't, I don't know a whole lot right now. I'm still learning a bunch. Well, chances are you probably know more than some other people do. So chances are... Uh, you have the opportunity and the ability to teach somebody else as well. So help people out if they need it. Always pray for them. Always pray that people would uh, learn more about God, learn more about uh, the faith, and and how to serve Christ more with their lives, and and, uh, that they would love Him more. And teach them the basics. Paul's going over a lot of basics in First Thessalonians. Even though he goes into a lot of deep stuff as well. So, the theme, as I said before, of 1st Thessalonians, salvation, sanctification, and the return of Christ. Um, and that's the theme that we're going to be uh, using Throughout this this whole time that we're in in First Thessalonians, so I uh, I made an outline for First Thessalonians, but I forgot to print it out. So I'll probably have that for next week. Um. So let's look at the greeting. Let's go to uh, First Thessalonians if you're already there, and we'll look at verse one. So that's 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 the context. So try your best, and I'll go over the important parts as we, uh, it becomes pertinent, information that we're going to need to know. Um, but do your best to remember the, the context of 1 uh, Thessalonians, all those, those little things we just talked about. Because it seems like it's all just information, but all that stuff plays a part in how we understand what Paul is saying uh, to the church in Thessalonica. Um, context is very important. We'll see that probably play uh, play out as we do our study. So, First Thessalonians one one, it says, "Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy, Sylvanus and Timothy, to the church, to the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace." You might be wondering, how are you going to preach for another 20 minutes on that? And let me tell you, by doing it. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, So Paul, this is the same Paul who persecuted Christians at one point in his life. He was so zealous as a Jew that he would just go and find Christians and bring them back to be killed. He was feared among Christians. Um, many of you probably probably already know the story but he was on his way uh, to find some more Christians to persecute when a blinding light blasted him off of his donkey it blinded him actually it was so bright and he he heard the voice of Jesus saying Saul Saul, his name used to be Saul why are you persecuting me? listen up guys Paul was converted there, and the the whole story you can see uh, Acts nine one through thirty. You can read on your own time. Acts nine, one through thirty, and also eleven verse nineteen all the way through chapter twenty-eight, verse thirty-one. That'll take you a little bit of time. So his zeal was shifted from persecuting Christ. To serving Christ, and what an awesome testimony Paul has, guys. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. Now, we can learn about, we can learn from the life of Paul. In that, do you ever feel like God can't use you for things? Do you ever feel like you just messed up so bad in the past that it's it's kind of over for you? You you've you've gone a little too far. Um, maybe you have a bad reputation now among a lot of people or whatever. Guys, look at, look at the example of Paul. Paul was a huge sinner. Um, Paul, he, he, I mean, he persecuted Christ, right? He went and he found Christians to be persecuted. Um, because of that, he had the worst reputation among Christians. A lot of people it took him it took him a little bit to really trust Paul. But God is an awesome God, and He uses even big-time sinners like this for His great glory. And He used them in such a mighty and powerful way. He can definitely use you too, guys. And I pray I pray that all the time, that He would help me to teach you guys and everything because if I was relying on my own strength like for all this stuff then you guys would be sitting there bored in in your seats not learning anything hopefully that's not the case right now Um, and you guys might not even want to come back next week Um, I was out here in the backyard praying until like 11 o'clock last night for each one of you guys um, each one sitting in here, except for, uh, for Mikey, because uh, I didn't know you were going to come today. So, but I'll add you to my prayer list. Anyway, um, why? Because I care about you guys, and I realize that I can't do this on my own. I need God's strength and His guidance and His, uh, his power to help me out. Now, if Paul was relying on his own strength through all this stuff, um, we've already talked about how bad sinner, uh, bad of a sinner Paul was. Um, he would not have been able to do that. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, God was able to use him for such mighty, great things. Um, Silvanus, uh, we, we talked about, he was also called Silas. He was a companion of Paul during his second missionary journey. Uh, that can be seen in Acts 15 through 18. Um, this guy was also a writer uh, while Peter dictated first Peter. So Peter actually dictated the book of first Peter, the letter to Sylvanus and Sylvanus wrote it down uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Peter was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Sylvanus was just kind of writing. Um, we can see that. And uh, 1 Peter 5.12, if you guys want to go look at that, but not right now. Um, And then Timothy, Paul's true child in the faith, as uh, we see from 1 Timothy one two. Timothy was Paul's most notable disciple. He traveled with Paul during his second and his third missionary journeys, uh, and he was with Paul Close by during his first Roman imprisonment, when he wrote uh, the Prison Epistles, he was always with Paul, right? With through a lot of stuff, a lot of difficult times. Um, Paul wrote First and Second Timothy to Timothy while he was leading the church in Ephesus, while Timothy was leading the church in Ephesus, to encourage him and instruct him on how to how to better lead. So. Uh, we got some pretty solid guys here listed in the first uh, first verse. Going on, it says, to the church in Thess- Thess- Thessalonica uh, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at that. In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because uh, the Thessalonians were Jewish converts. Therefore, Paul wanted to make it abundantly clear that the church was not just another gathering for the Jews, right? He wanted to make it clear that the church gathered for Jesus Christ. This is one of our first demonstrations here at the beginning that Paul was concerned for their spiritual welfare. He wanted to make sure that they understood as new believers the importance of gathering for Christ. So they were all in Christ, right? They... New Christ in a saving way, and this is important. This is this is this is something we all need to pay attention to right here. Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica. He's writing to those people who are believers. So, First Thessalonians should be taken as a spiritual mentor or discipler to a young church, to young believers. These things cannot be applied to non-believers. So, for instance, the sections in this epistle where Paul is talking about eschatology, where Paul is talking about the coming again of Christ, is meant to be an intense comfort for those Christians, right? Now, if you know Christ, if you are one of His children if you have been saved, the coming again of Christ isn't is an immense comfort for you. We'll talk about that a lot. Because uh, when He comes again, like that, that means nothing but good news for us. But if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, the truth of Jesus' second coming, well, instead of yielding peace and comfort for you, it's going to yield the complete... Opposite. Everybody, turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, and starting in verse 11. Who was the last person that read? Jesse. Jesse? Yeah. Yeah, Jesse? So, okay, so Jesse, can you do me a favor and start in verse 11? And then we'll go back to Deegan and go that way. Okay? Then I saw a great white throne and came to was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Another another book was opened, which was the book of life. They then were judged according to what they had done, as according to the books. And so you gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And then verse 15 says, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So, this is is Jesus coming back. This is what's called the great white throne judgment. And it talks about a few books, right? It says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. Scary picture. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, a bunch of books. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books. So everything we do, all the deeds that we do, it's all getting written down. Everything we do, everything we choose to do in this life, it's all getting written down in, the, in books. And then it says, "And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the books." Well, how? My my version says, "According to their deeds." That's important. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged. Every one of them, how? According to their deeds. That's how they were judged. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. Isn't that weird? The second death, the lake of fire? death, Death is nothing but a separation. So the first death is a separation of our soul or spirit from our body. That's the first death. The second death is our separation from our soul or spirit from God forever. That's the second death. And then verse 15 is pivotal. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, all these guys were being judged according to their deeds. Do we want to get judged according to our deeds? Or do we want to be like the people who were, whose name was written in the book of life? If, our name, if your name is found written in the book of life, you don't get judged according to your deeds. So how do you get your name written in the book of life? You, you become a Christian, a genuine believer and follower of Christ. Because you don't want to be judged according to your, to your deeds. There's a whole lot of Islam, a whole lot of Muslims, there's a whole lot of Mormons, J.W., uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, Jainism, Sikhism, Zoro- Zoroastrianism, Hare Krishna, many, many others who are all banking on the belief and the hope that if they do enough good in their life, listen, they're all banking on the, fact, on the belief that if they do enough good in their life, it will outweigh all the bad things that they have done. And then they will be right before God. But the simple truth is that all of these people will get what they want. They will all be judged according to their deeds someday. That's exactly what they want. But the problem is they can never do enough to atone for their own sins. So everybody turn with me to Isaiah chapter 64. And I, I talk about these verses frequently, but I thought it would be good to actually go to them and talk about them. A Isaiah 64. I have a friend who's like a hardcore atheist, and um, she's Christian now. She was, she was really atheist. At- well, awesome. Praise God. How, uh, did, you, did you share with her or did somebody else? No, I didn't. Um, actually, she's been my friend for a while, but um, she's in my communications class and I didn't even know this. And um, in communications, you had to give a speech. So people gave like, speeches about personal things or, you know, just stuff that's happened in their life. So she gave one about how she, um, her end was becoming Christian. So you have to start with the end and you have to go to how it started. So her end was that she was Christian and she's living like a Christian life now. Um, but before she was atheist. So she shared that story. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, so they will be judged according to their deeds, right? So in Isaiah 64, starting in verse 5, read along with me. It says, You meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness. Who remembers you in your ways, behold, you are angry, for we sinned. We continued in them a long time. Shall, shall we be saved? And then verse 6 says, For all of us have become like one who is unclean. How many? All of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. And all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. So I never, I never told you guys before. Some of you probably already know. But filthy garment, do you guys know what that's actually talking about? The actual literal translation of that. Huh? Mm, it's a whole lot worse than that. Filthy garment. So we're all we're all we're all approaching adulthood anyway. So it literally means a menstrual rag, that bloody, nasty, disgusting old rag. A rag. It's rotting. It's something that people wear. Yeah, I like a diaper back in those days. That is what this word is referring to. This phrase. All of our deeds, all of our so-called good deeds are like that to God. Our whole garment that we're trying to wear. We think that we're so holy in wearing this garment. We put it on with pride, right? We have so much, far too much sin in our lives that even the good things, the good things I say in quotes, are like a filthy, bloody, rotten garment And we try to what? We try to put it on with pride and say, look at how awesome I am. Isn't that foolish? So don't rely on your deeds to save you. It's just like showing up and saying, look at me. Look at how clean I am when you're wearing that. rely only on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the cross. Be judged on, on that day. Be judged according to His deeds, not your deeds. Okay? So, this doesn't apply to those who don't know Christ. But I pray that each one of you in here, this would apply to you. The next uh, thing Paul says is grace to you and peace. This is a very common greeting that Paul gave in most of his letters. Um, Now, you know these two words, grace and peace. Grace is always needed in every aspect of our lives, right? Grace is God's undeserved Kindness, and it's so incredibly important for us. We need grace. We need God's grace, His undeserved kindness. We need God's grace to know Him. We need God's grace to understand His Word, to trust Him, to grow in Him, much more. We need God's grace in every aspect of our lives. And He talks about peace. Peace is always abundant to the believer. In particular, this epistle has uh, talks about tremendous peace from a proper understanding of the return of Christ and His second coming. So, my question to all of you is, is this. Does Christ's second coming fill you with a tremendous peace or does it fill you with a terrible dread? So... Pray that God's grace. By God's grace, He would open your eyes to the truth, so that you can understand and you can know Him. For the rest of us, this is an awesome uh, introduction to what we're going to be studying. I'm sorry it got a little boring in a few places, but um, the the rest of this book is packed with some awesome stuff, and I'm really excited to go through it. Um, So, with that, I'm going to close this out in prayer. Lord God, thank You so much for this day. Thank You that You love us. Lord, thank You that You died for us. Thank You that we don't have to be judged according to our deeds, God, and come up short. Thank You, God, that, that by Your grace, God, the sacrifice of Your Son on the cross... We can rely on those deeds instead. Thank you, God, for um, giving us so much peace. Thank you, God, for um, always being there for us, never leaving us or forsaking us. Thank you for always being that rock that we can hide in, God. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for guiding us, God. And if anybody doesn't know you in this room, God, I pray that you would make yourself known to them, that you would open their eyes and unveil their faith, God, so that they can see you clearly. Thank you so much for everything that you've done, God. Thank you for everything that you're planning on doing. Thank you for even the hard times that are meant to grow us, to love you and trust you more. God, we pray that you would continue to be glorified tonight as we sing one more song and as we play games and have fun. Thank you, God, for everything that you've done. Just name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening. I really hope this message was helpful, and I also hope that you'll share this podcast with others who either attended or visited the youth group. And please feel free to share these messages with others as well, if you uh, think of anybody else who would benefit. And above all, please take time to remember to trust in God today. He will not let you down.